Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to improving the lives of America's veterans, first responders, and their families. For over 20 years, the foundation has helped America keep its solemn promise to never forget. Tunnel to Towers provides mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders with young children and builds specially adapted smart homes for catastrophically injured veterans, as well as work to eradicate veteran homelessness. David Marshall served in the Army during World War II and fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He's never forgotten the sacrifices of his comrades in arms, nor the efforts of first responders on 9-11 and in the days and months that followed. He is a loyal and proud Foundation donor. Tunnel to Towers is committed to supporting veterans, first responders, and their families, and so many of them need your help. Join the Foundation on its mission to do good and never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Between a nasty spill off his bike, gaffing at public addresses, and a light daily schedule, to put it mildly, it's getting hard for Americans to ignore the fact that President Joe Biden might just be a little too old for the job. Worse yet for the Democratic Party, according to a recent New York Times poll, their voters are starting to take notice as well. I'll have the details in tonight's Hold the Line. It is noteworthy that the percentage of women who register to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so, end of quote. Repeat the line. <laughs> end of quote, repeat the line. Welcome to Hold the Line, I'm Buck Sexton. So Biden, you saw that one last week. I mean, the guy's a mess, right? Oldest president in history, too old for the job, it's obvious. And even the libs are starting to say this out loud, not because they didn't know this, before they knew this all, all along, they're reckless, they're shameless, they thought they could get away with this, their guy would be in power, Biden. And it's not that he's a leader or has any ideas, he would be effectively the Trojan horse for a far left agenda that would be pushed through him by his advisors and by the Democrat apparatus, right? So he got to be the front man 
for essentially AOC style policy, but you have a super old white dude at the front of the Democrat party to push it all through and make people in the middle of the country think, oh, maybe he's, you know, kind of a moderate or whatever. As we know, that's all crap. It was all a lie. And everyone's starting to realize not only is that the case, but they can't prop this guy up enough anymore. Now, this is from today, just to give you an example of this. Biden says very clearly, like it never processes, it seems, that there's a problem here. The shooting in Parkland, Florida, that horrible school shooting that happened in 2018, yeah, he was off when he said the year today by 100 years. Fort Hood, Texas, 2009, 13 dead, 30 more injured. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, 1918, 17 dead, 17 injured. 1918. He just says it. And just sort of goes along with it. You know, when the Spanish influenza was ripping through the country, you know? It's a long time ago. But anyway. You wonder if they put I am Ron Burgundy in the prompter during a presidential address. Joe Biden, not only would he read it, would he even notice there was anything wrong? Not clear. He definitely would read it. Here's the New York Times headline, because they're even recognizing they can't keep this charade going much longer. At 79, Biden is testing the boundaries of age and the presidency. President Biden has said he plans to run for a second term, but his age has become an uncomfortable issue for him and his party. You don't say. Now, I'll admit that I, I thought there's no way that Joe Biden would actually win, never mind the election, but win the nomination of the Democrat Party, because he's clearly too old. Clearly not up for this. I mean, he was on his best days, a mediocre politician from a very small, politically insignificant state, and yet now this guy is president? You've got to be kidding me. Go along, Joe. Just go along to get along. This just true sub-mediocrity was going to become president of the United States. I thought that's not possible. Not in this country. Not because even I disagreed with his ideas so thoroughly. He doesn't even have any ideas. He just, you know, it's whatever's on the prompter, whatever the Democrats want him to say. He is the quintessential empty suit. We all know it. And he's a suit that's too old as well. So you add all these things together, you think, how could this guy be the president? Well, guess what? People are figuring this out in ways that actually matter to Democrats now. They don't care that this is reckless. They don't care that he's an imbecile. They do care that he may not win again and that he may drag down their party. And that's why the New York Times is starting to write some truth out there. They're kind of floating trial balloons uh, within the party to see if people finally say, yeah, I don't think we can make this work anymore. This is from the New York Times of the Week, and Biden's energy level, while impressive for a man of his age, is not what it was, and some aides quietly watch out for him. He often shuffles when he walks, and aides worry he will trip on a wire. He stumbles over words during public events, and they hold their breath to see if he makes it to the end without a gaffe. My friends, I, I think it's clear here that Joe Biden is one press conference full of gibberish coming straight from what is obvious early stage, perhaps not even that early, dementia. He is one dementia gibberish press conference away from the entire country having an oh my God moment where it's clear that the 25th Amendment must be invoked. They talked about that with Trump because they didn't like things that he said. Donald Trump was never crazy. Donald Trump was never delusional in terms of uh, mental illness and none of that. But they still will talk about the 25th Amendment all the time. They won't talk about it with Joe Biden. Why is that? Well, we all know. Mr. Biden himself, according to this Times article, has said questions about his fitness are reasonable, 
even as he reassures Americans he's in good shape, even for some admirers, the question is whether that will last six more years. Six more years with this guy? Think about that for a second. You know, six years when you're, when you're in your 30s is very different from six years in your 80s. This guy's going to be in his 80s. He's going to be present for six more years? Who thinks that this is responsible or reasonable? Democrats, you're appalling. Appalling. Here's former Obama advisor David Axelrod saying that he's concerned about Biden's ability to run a vigorous, rigorous campaign and manage the presidency when he's in his 81st year of age. You don't say. Watch. President Obama was under siege as well at this time in his presidency, and there, were, there was hand-wringing and quiet meetings going on as well. Uh, but he was also 30 years younger than this president, and that is a concern, uh, the ability to run a rigorous, vigorous uh, campaign and manage the presidency at the same time uh, when uh, he's in his 81st year. And uh, I think that's a legitimate question, and it's one he's going to have to consider uh, when he toes up to the line and makes the final call that he's going to go. I mean, this is supposed to be a really, a really challenging job that taxes you physically, mentally, emotionally, right? Being the most powerful person on the planet, which is what the president of the United States is, it's a big deal. Do we really need somebody who shuffles around like he's lost and about to fall over or take a nap at any moment in that job? We've got 340 million Americans, give or take. This is the best we can do? Apparently not. Here's a New York Times Siena College Research Institute poll. Who should be the Democratic presidential nominee? This is among Democratic voters. 64% say somebody else. 10% refuse to answer. Less than a third of Democrat voters think it should be Joe Biden. So why would anybody then be of the opinion that Joe Biden is a reasonable choice for them the next time around? Well, let's take a look at why they're not supporting him. Same poll, by the way, among Democratic voters. Again, it's not Republican talking points, Democratic voters. The reason they don't want him, age 33%, job performance 32%. He's too old and he sucks at his job. Pretty straightforward. For most people, being way too old, I mean, we have retirements, mandatory retirements for airline pilots, mandatory retirements for, for the military, for law enforcement, mandatory retirements all over. We're going to have an 81, 82, 83, 84-year-old president? President? Democrats, they think that they're the responsible, serious people. Oh, Trump is so scary. These people are out of their minds. What are they doing? Ah, uh, well, you know, they figure as long as we're in power, it doesn't matter. Just push the same socialist claptrap. Doesn't matter who does it. Could be, honestly, there are Democrats, the third of Democrats that like, that like Joe Biden. Um, if, if, he were, if he had a stroke and was unable to continue in the job, but he was just essentially in a hospital bed, they would say, this is fine, he's still the president. No issue with them. They would push that. They're crazy. We're gonna have more on this with the host of Can't Cancel, Rob Smith. Rob Smith, when we come back. But first, I want to talk to you about protecting your online data. A lot of companies promise your privacy is guaranteed, but we know that's not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communications based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platforms. Privacy is a big issue now. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. Secure will never mine your data and never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, or anyone else with total confidence you're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. Costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. 
Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com. Use promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with Rob Smith. Stay with us. Joe Biden's age isn't the only thing that's weighing down his poll numbers. Biden's performance on the policy front has clearly been a disaster, leading a majority of Americans to believe the country is heading in the wrong direction. Yeah, no crap. According to a recent Monmouth University poll, 88% of Americans believe the country is heading in the wrong direction, while just 10% believe it's in the right direction. By the way, those 10%, I always want to know, do they have dyed blue hair, lots of suggested pronouns, and uh, a whole bunch of Ukraine flags in their bio? So what's going on here? Do Americans really think that a man who's pushing, pushing 80 years old is in any condition to right the ship? Or is it time for the Democrats to switch it up? Joining me now here at the table, Rob Smith, host of Can't Cancel Rob Smith podcast, which is great. Can't cancel him. And contributor here at the First TV. Rob, what's going on, man? How are you? What's going on, Buck? Doing well, doing well. Good to be in the studio. So, yeah, absolutely, man. Here in NYC, at least they're not masking us up and checking us for uh, our vaccine passports yeah, everywhere in these not days. The not yet. Not, at the, not, at the, not in the meantime. So Biden, I, I, the, the thing that, that I'm talking to Clay every day about, different conservatives, you know, folks like you about uh, that are in the business with me, um, what are they going to do? Because it does feel like in that New York Times article from over the weekend, talking about this in the monologue, Biden is one bad afternoon, you know, of, you know, sundowning is when dementia sets in late in the yeah. afternoon for older people. If he has a sundowning episode on live TV, it's, it's all over. And I think that they know that they're going to have to do something to replace this guy. So what's the plan? Well, the thing about it is, is that he's already kind of had these moments when he's given um, these, you know, impromptu press briefings or, or these weird teleprompter moments or all of that stuff. But the thing about it is, is that when these moments happen, it's only sort of conservative uh, media or conservative commentators or whatever that kind of hop on them. And I think that what the left is so nervous about right now is that these things are becoming more and more uh, common. And it's something that they're not able to hide anymore. I don't know what the plan is. There's a lot of people that think um, that you know there's this deep bench of Democrats that are that are you know chomping at the bit to run in 2024. Is it going to be Kamala Harris? Is it going to be Pete Buttigieg? Is it going to be um, Gavin Newsom? These people are less popular now than they were even three to four years ago. So I don't think that they are valid choices. And with Joe Biden, it just seems like this drip, drip, drip of information is really, this stuff is coming from the left, and this stuff is meant to get him to step down because they know that they, they cannot have him at the top of the taken in 2024. So the, the, the thing that I find fascinating about all this as well is that normally you would have, I mean, the founders actually thought of this whole succession plan. There's yeah. a reason we have a vice president and actually yes. even have the Speaker of the House as third in line. Nancy Pelosi's oh, super God. old too, by the way. So Nancy Pelosi wouldn't be, uh, you know, you don't put Nancy Pelosi ahead of, uh, you know, at the top of the ticket and everyone thinks, oh, wow, we've dealt with the age problem. Because yeah. even Democrats overwhelmingly think that job performance for Biden and age, those are the two things that come up everywhere, which is pretty, pretty obvious. Even the Democrats see this. But Kamala, I think the Democrats realize, just doesn't have the personal popularity mm. that Biden, you know, over decades, literally decades of kissing babies, shaking hands, and doing the whole grin and staring to the cameras thing had managed to build. So what is their option then after the midterm? Like, how do you see this playing out? Normally it would be Joe Biden says, I, for reasons of health, I'm gonna step aside. Mm -hmm. And we have a vice president who's gonna step in and she then runs. But if it's not Kamala, does Biden then just decide to push through and try to 
get to re-election? Like, how do you, how do you think this plays out? I don't know. Any, I don't think anybody. I don't think Democrats know. I don't think Democrats know either. And the thing about Kamala Harris is that she has just been so bad. And this is not picking on Kamala Harris. It's just, I call her word salad Harris. And I think that when you have these word salad episodes that Kamala has over and over and over again, what it really does is underline how unserious she is and, and, and how misinformed she is about a lot of the issues that she's expected to speak on. So there is no gravitas. Look, the one thing that they gave her to do, she was the borders are, right? And she sort of shirked her responsibilities on that. That was a complete disaster. And so she's ran to do all these other things. So she's not the option. Like I said, I do not know who the option is. I think that they are very nervous right now. And think about how poorly they're polling right now. Think about how bad that they're doing. And this is what the entirety of the mainstream media covering for Joe Biden. And don't think that when you see this story in the Times or you see these articles in CNN or whatever, don't think that that hasn't been sort of uh, gone back and forth with some of the people in the administration, right? Sort of trying to pepper it over and make it seem as, as sort of genteel as possible. They have some real issues here and I don't think they know how to deal with it. So now we get to this phase, as you, as you mentioned, of all these different possibilities, these different candidates who might emerge. Let's just assume for a moment here that Joe Biden does step aside. Pete Buttigieg, for example, mm -hmm. is someone that I think the elite Democrat media gets very excited mm -hmm. about, they even though if you look at what's going on with airplanes and the transportation part of this country, it's not good, right? <laughs> Supply chain, it's not good. Well, His record is trash. And you look at what he did as mayor, which is amazing. This was his job, mayor of South Bend, Indiana. They're going to put him forward. It feels like identity politics are pushing that a lot. But how does Pete play for the Democrat base? The thing about it is, is that when you realize that the Democrat base is the base of elitists in New York, L.A. and in D.C. and in large cities, he plays well to that base. He plays well to the elitists. The elitists are going to love him. I don't think Pete Buttigieg is going to be able to win a national election. I don't think he's going to be able to win independence. And the thing about it How is... How does he do with the African-American community, by the way? Oh, mind? probably awful. And it has nothing to do with the gay thing. Um, when he was running the first time, there were lots of stories that were coming out about his time in South Bend and about how he sort of mismanaged um, these police interactions with African-Americans and stuff like that. And if he does run, that stuff is going to come back out again. Mm. But, but let's talk about the fact uh, that what you said, he is failing in his job as transportation secretary right now. This was supposed to be a big position for him. This was supposed to be something that people could point to um, to say that he has chops to do something. And he has been a failure at this on every level from the airplane issues to the issues that we had with the supply chain that are still happening right now, right? So when you point to the actual things that he was supposed to do, he's a failure. They love the fact that he's the first gay guy that's a, that's a real candidate for president, I guess. But that's just not going to be enough after the disaster of the vice president that we have. And how do you think Gavin Newsom looks in all this? You probably saw he ran some bizarre ad in Florida about how Floridians should move to California because California is where freedom is. Like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a lot of acrobatics involved mentally to get to that place. But he does have name recognition. He has the biggest Democrat state in the country behind him by population. Um, he's a known commodity. He's, you know, at the age where really presidents should be, by the way. We mm -hmm. should stop thinking that presidents need to be basically 80. This has yeah. gotten really weird. So what do you think about Gavin Newsom? Because he's clearly poking and prodding the electorate to see if Maybe yeah. there's room for him here. Well, the thing about it is, is that I think the Democrat base, like I said, the base of elitists, the base of, uh, you know, 
high wealthy people in large cities, I think that they're going to actually love Gavin Newsom. And I think honestly that he probably could make it out of a primary. Um, the thing about it is, is that if he becomes the Democratic nominee, that is not a candidate that's going to play to middle America in any capacity whatsoever. He is the height of elitism. Remember the, uh, the French laundry dining experience when he shut down restaurants over COVID and then was dining out at French laundry and had a $50,000 bar tab, right? This wasn't just the whole meal. This is the bar tab. That stuff is not going to play with the electorate. So when we talk about Kamala Harris, when we talk about Pete Buttigieg, when we talk about Gavin Newsom, these are three examples of how far gone the Democrats and the left have gone into this well of elites that only appeal to Democrats in large cities. Our friend Jesse Kelly here on the first and uh, some other people that you, know, you and I both know on the right started to throw out their you know, their dark horse candidate, their surprise candidate for the Democrat side that may, do you have somebody in mind that you're like, watch so-and-so, or maybe this, you know, people, Eric Adams in New York City, that's who Jesse mm -hmm. is talking about. I feel like there's no way Jesse thinks Eric Adams may be uh, somebody who could, who could do it. Uh, there are others who are pointing at various either Democrat governors or mayors, Gretchen Whitmer, you know, who oh, knows, God. right? I mean, is there any, but is there anybody that you think is going to put their name in the ring or, you know, put, throw their hat in the ring, I should say, for the Democrat side. You know, when I, I never thought of this question, but when you asked me this, I think, why couldn't Tulsi Gabbard make another run for it, right? So obviously, she's, uh, she's got a lot of fans in this new conservative fan base now, but Tulsi Gabbard is still a Democrat. She's just what Democrats used to be before they went completely insane. So I don't see any reason that she shouldn't go for it again. I don't think Eric Adams is going to do it just because I think that he's smart enough to realize that he has to fix New York City. And if he's going to, I think that he'll be a viable presidential candidate at some point in the future. But he has to fix New York City before he even starts thinking about that. And the mistake de Blasio made was that he was trying to run for president uh, before he fixed New York City and actually Or before he managed it. to destroy New York before City. Before he managed the, to destroy it, yeah, yeah. Rob, thanks for coming to the studio, man. Good to see you. Always, Buck. All right. Looks like Elon Musk's purchase of Twitter is dead in the water, and now the social media company is vowing to take the billionaire to court. Richest man on earth, by the way. We'll have more on that with the director of the Tech Policy Center at the Heritage Foundation and former Facebook employee, Kara Frederick. Right now, let's talk about protecting your home. I don't know if you saw this, but there was a recent story about an Arizona real estate agent that found the home she lived in was listed for sale. The problem was she wasn't selling her home. She was the victim of home title fraud, a devastating crime happening all over the country. According to the experts at Home Title Lock, the crime is incredibly profitable and hard to detect. An identity thief simply creates a fake title transfer for your home and refiles as the new owner. Then he can take out loans on your home or sell it. Typical identity theft services don't cover you and neither does homeowner's insurance. Home Title Lock does. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect anyone tampering with your home's title, they help shut it down. Here's what you should do. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and read the testimonials from FBI agents and government officials. Then register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't even know it. When you protect your home, tell them Buck sent you to get 30 free days of protection. HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Kara Frederick up next. Stay with us. Twitter is reportedly getting ready to sue Elon Musk over the billionaire's attempts to terminate his $44 billion buyout of the social media company. Musk is arguing that the tech company failed to provide key information and is dramatically understating the number of bots on the platform. So can Twitter force the Tesla CEO to close the deal? Let's ask director of the Tech Policy Center at the Heritage Foundation, former Facebook employee, Kara Frederick. Kara, you got to make sense of all this for us today. Thanks for being with us. No problem. So let's start with this. Musk's lawyers are arguing that Twitter has refused 
his reasonable request for over two months to get to the bottom of the bots. My understanding, if, if this were not Twitter, right, if this were just a general due diligence issue for an, a merger, uh, merger acquisition uh, for an M&A transaction, this would be, seem entirely reasonable. So what am I missing here? Yeah, well, it seems like we're in uncharted territory when it comes to all of this. So it's not just the bot issue that Elon has honed in on. He basically also said that Twitter is in material breach of the takeover argument because they are making material changes to the platform without his consent. So I think both parties actually have a case here. That's why it's going to be a bloodbath in court in Delaware. And, uh, you know, both parties, again, they've got heavy hitters on either side. So I think we're in for a protracted legal battle. I think both sides have standing. And uh, if it gets to the discovery phase, as Elon talked about in his latest meme, he can't help himself, right? Uh, then we're, we're hopefully going to be able to look under the hood. And right. it appears that he sort of waived, you know, a, a, a portion of his due diligence rights, but not all of them. So I think hopefully everything will be out in the open once all is said and done. And uh, frankly, Twitter has is his own worst enemy. They've undermined their credibility. And now people who didn't realize that these aren't neutral platforms, their ears are perked up a bit and they're getting a front row seat to what conservatives like us have known all along. These aren't neutral gatekeepers of information. There's something a little more sinister afoot. Musk tweeted a meme that included photos of him reacting to the legal battle with increasing levels of amusement. They say I couldn't buy Twitter in this meme. Then they wouldn't disclose bot info. Now they want to force me to buy Twitter in court. Now they have to disclose bot info in court. So Elon's having some fun with this one. Um, why? I mean, do they? So they want now they want this is the part of it. I can they were ready to shriek and scream and anything to stop Elon from buying Twitter originally. Like employees were resigning and, you know, all the cat ladies were so upset and the blue haired mafia was protesting the whole thing. OK, so now they're suing to make him acquire it. Is that where we are? Is that, am I am I reading that right? Yeah, you are. Because I think what they're realizing now is that Twitter was going to buy or Elon was going to buy Twitter at a premium. You know, he offered $54.20 a share. Now, according to the Wall Street Journal's reporting, Twitter has lost $11 billion in market value since April. So they know that he was going to buy Twitter. It was overpriced. And I think Elon knows that it was overpriced at this point. So they're trying not to get in trouble with their shareholders. They're trying finally to do their fiduciary duty and actually consummate this deal. But as you said beforehand, they had to be dragged kicking and screaming in order to agree to the takeover because of ideological issues. And now they're sort of realizing, ah, this is probably in our material interest for Elon to take over because they're not going to get a better offer. So Musk's lawyers are claiming in an SEC filing that Twitter withheld data Sometimes Twitter has ignored Mr. Musk's request. Sometimes it has rejected them for reasons that appear to be unjustified. And sometimes it has claimed to comply while giving Mr. Musk incomplete or unusable information. Uh, do they, I mean, do we know? So you worked at Facebook. You understand how this stuff actually functions. Obviously, why we have you here to tell us about what's going on. Um, do they not know how many bots are on the platform? I mean, it's the digital world, right? I mean, can't they get some sense of this and why? would they think that that wouldn't be important information? If Elon were buying a website, I know about this from friends of mine who have had their websites bought, and they said, well, I wanna see your traffic numbers. And they said, no, we're just gonna like tell you it's big traffic. That wouldn't fly. And if you lied about the traffic numbers, that would be fraud. 
Exactly. And what these companies do is they tend to hide behind proprietary data. You remember initially the CEO of Twitter, Parag Agarwal, said, no, we can't give you the, the exact number of bots because that's private data. That's proprietary to us as a company. And they use that overlay to commit all manner of sins. Um, so Elon basically came in and said, I'm going to open source the algorithm. And it's not just one algorithm to rule them all. You know, there's a lot of internal tools that these companies use they consistently tinker with so having some sort of transparency with the public availability component you know i think this really just highlights how these companies operate without transparency they operate in the dark and having a policy solution that requires a degree of transparency could save all of us all of this heartache uh, could save elon a lot of heartache too and he had a great team of programmers and data scientists noodle at this problem for two months and they couldn't even get get an answer. So I do think Twitter has an idea of what's going on on their platform, but it's a very difficult problem. And I think you got to crack open the books at this point. So is it possible that this also to your, to your earlier point about Elon paying the premium, is this a way and you know, usually when you go into this kind of a, a fight with a major company, an individual, even a very wealthy one is going to say, I don't want to spend all the legal. Elon's the richest guy in the world, right? So he can he can fight in court all day. It doesn't, doesn't make a difference to him, really. But is he maybe trying to get this out of principle to buy Twitter for less money? Could that be, you know, meaning that he knows that this thing was overpriced and now he's seen that and he's like, I don't want to give these people an extra $10 billion. So let's lower the price. Is that, do you think that may be what's going on here? You know, I think there's an element of that. And I think there's been an element of that throughout this entire saga. Uh, you've seen him kind of tap dance around all of this, have lawyers start sending letters to lawyers and threaten pullouts and not do anything. And now saying, okay, I actually am going to pull out. So I certainly think that that's a component of this. As I've said before, you don't become the world's richest man by not getting discounts on things. You know, people get rich because they keep their money. I think Elon is, is just a good example of this. And, you know, he's got a a lot of other companies that he's dealing with. He uh, wants to make sure that, yes, this is an ideological effort, but at the same time, he wants to see a path toward growth. He wants to see a path toward material success. So I think you you nailed it. I, this this could be a part of his plan all along. I, I, won't, I won't ask for a definitive answer because that's not fair. People hate when I do that on TV, but just tell me this. More or less likely in your mind that Elon Musk will be, is it a more likely proposition or less likely proposition that in 2023, he'll be the owner of Twitter? I think it's more likely, I'm gonna be honest. Okay. Friday, I would have given you a definite, uh, a different answer, but now that we've seen a lot of the information and have had time to sit, you know, I don't think he wants to throw away just a billion dollars. I think he's exposed them and I think he wants to finish this out. I think that's in his personality. All right, let's hope so. Kara, thanks so much, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Buck. There are growing calls for Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg to drop murder charges in the case of Jose Alba, the 61-year-old bodega employee who killed a man who attacked him while he was behind the counter doing his job. When we come back, we'll talk to iHeart talk show host Mark Simone about the latest in the case. Right now, let's discuss my friends at My Patriot Supply. If you needed more proof that we're going to have massive food shortages in the very near future, here it is. Many American farmers have announced that they don't have enough fertilizer because of global supply chain breakdowns. Everybody knows without fertilizer, you can't grow food. You can expect to see prolonged food shortages and sky-high prices for the next year at least. So what can you do to avoid this nightmare and protect your family? It's easy. Just visit preparewithbuck.com. At preparewithbuck.com, 
you'll find a special offer. Get $150 off a three-month supply of long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Don't skimp. Get one kit for each person in your family. Each My Patriot Supply kit has enough food for three solid months per person, providing more than 2,000 calories a day to keep your energy up. So go to preparewithbuck.com today and save $150 on each three-month kit you require. More food shortages are coming. So go to preparewithbuck.com right now. We'll be right back with more Hold the Line. Jose Alba, the bodega clerk charged with murder for stabbing his attacker to death, was released from Rikers Island last week. Alba was forced to give up his passport and also remain in the five boroughs and submit to electronic monitoring. More and more organizations and groups are now calling on District Attorney Alvin Bragg to drop the murder charges against Alba, stating that he clearly acted in self-defense. Joining now to discuss iHeart Radio talk show host on 710 WOR, Mark Simone. Mark, good to see you again. Great to see you. Thanks for having me. So, buddy, from the beginning, it felt like this was likely to turn into a much bigger than local crime story. I think we're already there. A lot of coverage on Fox News, Daily Mail, some of the biggest news outlets on this one. What do you think the district attorney, Alvin Bragg, is thinking here? Well, I, I, I don't think he's ever thinking. You got to give these uh, Democrats, these woke Democrats credit, no matter how far they push the envelope. When you think they can't get any worse, they always get worse. Uh, this guy is the, just a lunatic. He's a lunatic district attorney, no bail, no jail, doesn't want anybody to go to prison. This guy's been out eight times, this horrible monster. Uh, the last time was for assaulting a cop. And now it's to a whole new level. Not only can these uh, these guys attack you left and right, you have to submit to the attack if you try to resist. Hey, and once they come behind the counter at the bodega, you got to do whatever you have to do. I mean, it's a, this, but this is the point, Mark, right? You, you, just, you just set it up so that we know the DA, and this is true of a lot of these Soros DAs, don't want to send anybody to prison, right? Don't send anyone to jail until someone is defending themselves against a career criminal. Then it's murder charges, second degree murder, not even an involuntary manslaughter charge here. Yeah, it's the highest charge. They, they will not send anybody to jail except for this poor guy and Donald Trump. Those are the only people they want to put yeah. in jail. Uh, this guy, and, and hey, also remember, he's just barely eking out a living. This immigrant somehow got this bodega, good for him. And he can't go back there. He can never go back there, no matter what. He's going to be a target for who knows who is going to come after him. So I don't know what this poor guy's going to do. And also, it's even more clear, you know, they, this is one of these instances where it's not a he said, he said, or... The facts are in dispute as we're showing on the screen. There are multiple camera angles uh, showing exactly what transpired here in the physical altercation. It's clear that this individual, uh, Simon, um, attacked Alba twice, cornered him. Alba's like 62 years old. The other guy is, I think, in his 30s. And, and now there's video of Alba even telling the guy, look, I, I don't want a problem. I don't want a problem. Watch. Whatever you Hard work, my friend, but everybody else. That's not working, no working. That's not working now. Don't work. Come on, come down here, right now. Come on, come out. Papa, what's up with you? I don't want to problem, Papa. What's wrong with you? I know two and a half little girls. Why do you snatch anything out here? I mean, to your point, Mark, the guy's saying, look, I don't want a problem. 
you know, if Simon had stayed on the other side of the counter and this had stayed, you know, stayed as a verbal altercation, okay, you can't pull out a knife and stab the guy because you don't like what he says. He cornered him. He assaulted him. Alba tried to get away. This is all on video. And then he assaulted him again. Like, so what, I mean, I'm just curious, what does the prosecutor in New York think that Jose Alba, an immigrant from the Dominican Republic, not some powerful guy, what's he supposed to do? Uh, he, this district attorney doesn't think. He's just a bleeding heart, woke liberal. This uh, this poor guy, you know, it, it's Alvin Bragg that caused the death of Simon. Alvin Bragg, first of all, stop prosecuting shoplifting. Shoplifting is totally out of control in New York. The woman's debit card wasn't working. So uh, her mentality now and the boyfriend is that you're supposed to just hand them something, that they shouldn't have to pay for it anyway. You know, when she said, I'm going to go get my boyfriend, I would assume that meant he'll come in with the money and pay for these things over my my card doesn't work, but he comes in and throws this poor guy against the wall. And when you're getting uh, pummeled, if you have a knife, you, uh, what more excuse do you need to use it? How, how do you have to get beaten to a pulp? Uh, and even and by the way, the the girlfriend here, Simon's girlfriend, there, there, there's on video. She she flashed a knife at him before the boyfriend came in, and then after she comes in, and then she stabs him, and she stabs Alba, and is not arrested. So. Now she can do this kind of reprisal stabbing and there's no, I mean, it's just, the whole thing, it seems like it's just backwards. Yeah, also, let's not let Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, off the hook. She's to blame for this. She's in charge of this district attorney. The district attorney works for her. It's a state job. She can fire him. She should have called Bragg and said, drop all charges immediately or I will fire you. She should have done that and she didn't do it. Yeah, I know Lee Zeldin, we'll get to him in a second. He's made, I think, a great campaign pitch for exactly that when it comes to this district attorney, that he's going to fire him on day one. But just for example, I mean, here's Fernando Mateo of United Bodegas of America, and he's out there saying, look, the, all the charges should be dropped here. Watch. We believe that Jose Alba's charges should all be dropped. Murder charges and any charges that he's being charged with, because it's the right thing to do. Do you think... Given the outcry, attention, I know you're putting on this, Mark, as, as a New York host with a huge audience, and, and there's, a, there's a national media attention that's finally come on this. Do you think they're going to drop the charges? Are they going to take this thing? Is the district attorney going to take it to the mat and put it before a jury? I don't know what jury would convict this guy, and I think at some point it's got to get dropped. It's up to Lee Zeldin and everybody in New York to put pressure on Hochul. She can make that phone call, order him to drop this stuff. Uh, and, and let the guy go. Even Joe Biden, he's the president of the United States. This crime wave is all over the country now, not just cities, but suburbs, rural areas are having a crime wave. He should speak out and say it's time to get tough on crime. She's She's got to do something about this. This is the worst district attorney ever. You know, it's one thing to normalize shoplifting. Uh, by doing this, what what could you ever do in self-defense? If this isn't self-defense, what ever could be considered self-defense? I mean, this is on video. It's clear who provoked it. It's clear who the attacker is, more than once, actually. It wasn't even just one physical assault. It was two. He's bigger than the guy. He's got him cornered. He, I mean, he's effectively a senior citizen he's attacking here. By the way, New York Governor hopeful Lee Zeldin, you and I both know and, and like Lee, uh, he shared his support for Jose Alba on Twitter. He wrote that Jose had every right to defend himself when he was attacked at his bodega. Shouldn't face any negative consequences at all for what happened. Meanwhile, the woman who stabbed Alba hasn't been charged with anything. I will fire Alvin Bragg on day one as governor. Any doubt in your mind if the uh, folks of New York make the right move here and put Lee in office that he would fire the district attorney on day one, Mark? Oh, I know. I've talked to him about it. He absolutely will. Now, the only problem is if he catches up to Hochul in the polls, which is possible, 
she'll fire him just to get the issue off the table. Uh, so he's he, he's got to keep the pressure on her. She's got to fire. She said in the beginning when pressured, uh, well, let me see. Let's wait for the data. I'll give him a chance. Well, we've got crime up 40% since Bragg took office. We've got dead bodies everywhere. Go to the morgue if you want your data. That's where it is. It's astonishing. You think Hochul's getting more and more vulnerable each month when it comes to this uh, this election? Yeah, I hope so, because she's got a corruption problem. She's got a terrible crime problem, a tax problem. She's putting in congestion pricing on New York City. There's nobody here who needs this congestion pricing. And it's not 50 cents to come into Midtown. It's like 25 bucks to cross that street. So it's it's ridiculous. She, she's got to go. Mark, appreciate you being with us, man. We'll talk to you about this again soon. Thanks. White House is considering an interesting option when it comes to addressing the issue of abortion. We're going to have that story and more in Quick Hits. Stay with us. The White House is considering a public health emergency to address the issue of abortion, and Hunter Biden's behavior somehow goes from bad to worse, if that's even possible. But apparently it is. We've got those stories. In quick hits, uh, look, we know the Democrats are really devoted to abortion ideologically. Um, It's very, very important to them, which is troubling and I would argue pretty demonic really at its core, but this is how they feel. And so they're going to do everything they can to try to make this, even though the Supreme Court has said there is no constitutional right, which is obvious, as much a federal issue as they can get away with. So here, for example, is HHS Secretary Javier Becerra saying the administration is considering a public health emergency to increase abortion access. Watch. President Biden said Sunday he's considering declaring a public health emergency to free up federal resources for promoting abortion access. However, at the same time, the White House is acknowledging that's not a great option. So what is your take on that plan and what other strategies is the Biden administration considering in response to last month's overturning of Roe v. Wade? Tanya, the the president instructed us at HHS and me specifically to look for everything we could try to do. And that's what we're doing. And the public health emergency is one of those proposals, options that's there. We're taking a look. Yeah. Remember when they had the Hyde Amendment? Remember when there was an understanding that they weren't going to use? The Democrats agreed they weren't going to use federal tax dollars directly for abortion. Well, too, too bad. They decided to abandon that, as we know, a while ago. So... Now it's you have to pay for abortion, even if abortion is legal in your state. That's what they want. They want to use federal dollars for this everywhere they can. Uh, it's disgraceful, but this gives you a sense as to what we are up against. A guest at a White House event celebrating gun control legislation had this to say, watch. We must address white supremacy and direct domestic terrorism. They're the leading threat to our homeland and our way of life. What does that mean, address white supremacy? Really, what does that mean? I'm so curious. This is people are clapping for this threat to our homeland and our way of life. Uh, To be called a racist is to be called something that is just maybe above being a child abuser uh, in our society. And yet we're led to believe that white supremacists are a huge danger because they have so much power and so much influence and, and are attacking and all this stuff. It's crazy. I've never even met a white supremacist. I don't know what these people are talking about in the Democrat Party, but here we are. Um, Hunter Biden. If this were a Republican president, you'd be seeing news stories about this all day long, but Joe Biden's a Democrat, so 
it somehow is substantially less interesting to, less interesting to the national news media that the president's son is a porno fil- self-porno filming, crack-using, uh, influence-peddling, crime-doing lunatic. And here's Hunter Biden arguing with a prostitute about how much crack cocaine he has. Zero seven without the bag. Well, how long is, how long? Two point zero. Stunning, isn't it? I mean, the guy is such a mess, such a disgrace. And there's this Adam Kinzinger. Is he still technically a Republican? Like, does he still keep that charade going? Is that what we're told? Is he still going with that? And I think officially he is. Yeah, funny. Doing the bidding of Democrats, so they throw you some scraps from the New York Times table once in a while. Oh. Here's Kinzinger saying, in 10 years, nobody will, ever cl- nobody will ever admit to having supported Trump. Watch. Again, what does history say in five or 10 years? Because I can guarantee, well, I can get about as close as I can to guaranteeing that in about 10 years, there's not going to have been a single Trump supporter that exists anywhere in the country. It's like Nixon. There were a lot of people that supported Nixon until he was out of office. And then everybody was like, oh, nobody supported Nixon. Yeah, I think actually no one's going to admit to ever having voted for Adam Kinzinger. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. He served our nation for over seven years before he was severely injured during training. He was left paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Tunnel to Towers paid Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, removing a financial burden for him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his specific needs. Tunnel to Towers helped severely injured service members and first responders, as well as Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders. It has already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. The foundation is also committed to eradicating veteran homelessness. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.